Welcome to Beyond Meditation Podcast. I'm Anna. And I'm Jazzy. We started this podcast to share new ways to quiet the mind, get in touch with who you really are, and find alignment with purpose. We are here to empower you with our stories, tools, and knowledge. So grab some tea, bring your journal, and let's go, go beyond, beyond meditation. Free. Welcome back, everyone, to Beyond Meditation Podcast. Today, our topic is connecting to our ancestors, who they are, what is this practice, and why would you want to connect with and communicate to your ancestors? So when we say ancestors, what are we referring to exactly? Yeah, um, I think that ancestors can be anyone within our bloodline, um, you know, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents, um, great-uncles, great-aunts, cousins, what have you that have passed on. Um, but I also think that it's beyond the bloodline. Um, you know, in a past uh, episode, we talked a little bit about past lives and life between lives. And so if you believe in mul having multiple lives, then it can be ancestors from any of those lifetimes. There might be ancestors that are still on the other side from many, many, many moons ago, many lifetimes ago that are still guiding you, that are still here um, to serve a purpose. And I think a lot of this goes into uh, ancestor veneration, which is to ensure that ancestors continued well-being and positive disposition towards the living and sometimes to ask for guidance assistance and protection from them that's beautiful i love the way you put that you know i see them as the spiritual elders of your lineage whatever that may be that carry with them knowledge and healing and love and you know i feel like they add that spiritual nourishment that we need and you know, that deep sense of purpose, belonging, and, and support. Absolutely. So, Jazzy, what made you aware of this practice, and why did you personally want to communicate with your ancestors? For me personally, and I think I mentioned it in a previous episode as well, um, I think my grandpa's death really was the moment for me that made me aware of it. Um, it made me want to connect uh, because I missed him, of course. And uh, I think that the practice of talking to them and venerating them with offerings uh, really came from my dad. Um, when his mom passed away, he had a picture of her in a sacred space in our house. And he offered her the rosary by praying for her every day. Um, and he would also give her fresh flowers amongst other offerings. And I always thought it was weird, <laughs> but the more I read about it over the years in anthropology and sociology courses, different cultures still practice ancestor veneration. And I mean, we do it here in the United States by laying flowers on a grave site and having funerals with, um, other cultures, uh, offer food, um, water, ceremonies for, for the afterlife. 
I mean, when you look at like ancient Egypt and you think about the pyramids and all the gold and goods and the way that they were mummified, um, you know, this has been a longstanding tradition. And just by observing other cultures and experiencing it in my own home uh, really got me interested and wanting to not really communicate, <laughs> I would say, but uh, honor them. And uh, actually, I should say communicate because I feel like I do talk to them all the time now. Uh, but I do uh, carry certain personal belongings that belong to them with me. Um, and I also have a little altar for them. That's so beautiful. Um, yeah, I personally um, became aware of this practice when I started becoming more and more interested in my history. You know, who who were the people that came before me? Um, you know, my personal background. Really curious about what was passed down, whether that was generational gifts or generational traumas. Um, you know, just really a new concept to me that was fun to explore. Um, I actually watched <clears throat> this Netflix documentary. Um, it's uh, Sex, Love, and Gloop. <laughs> and, and there's an episode on um, family constellations. It was an amazing episode where a couple was able to track back the origin or the root of their relational issues um, back to like their great, great, grandmothers through a family constellation facilitation um, and as it's portrayed in the show the facilitators um, it takes quite a number of people but you they take on the energy and relate the feelings and bodily sensations that they're feeling for certain family members um, you know they stand in for those family members and it really tells the story and explains why the person in this lifetime may be having the issues say with like closeness or showing emotion or infidelity. Um, and that was really, really cool to me. It was just such an interesting episode because there was such a healing for that particular couple. So I wanted to know more about, you know, not just my parents, but like my great grandparents, my godparents, you know, um, because, you know, death and hardship, you know, happened to, you know, a lot of our ancestors, perhaps without the support that they needed. So, you know, I wanted to dig into this and, you know, um, just kind of understand, you know, maybe when we have certain phobias or strengths, you know, maybe not just from past lives, but also from what could be, we could be carrying from our ancestors that they were never able to properly release. So I just feel like there's so much we don't know um, about what gets passed down because, um you know, we were, when we were in our mother's womb, um, you know, we, I think by age of four months, we actually develop all of our ovaries. So it's almost like we were also in our grandmother's womb, if you think about it. Um, so it's like super interesting to that concept. And, um, so for me, I just, I did 23andMe to kind of see, you know, what, what my, uh, what my background was and to kind of get really interested but I I wanted to know more about that and then understand what their old beliefs were their old rituals what kind of knowledge they had um as well so 
Yeah, that um, actually brings me to a question um, for you. So what are some ways that you connect with your ancestors today? Um, for me, it's it's definitely a new thing, but I have created a little um, ancestral altar at my house, and um, I've been getting into the practice of meditating and connecting with them and pausing to leave space for them um, because I, you know, I wanted to um, just hear, you know, what they had to say and connect with them and, and understand. So, you know, I'm just kind of making it up as I go, sort of, <laughs> um, but it's been really quite beautiful um, to come in with an intention around um, just getting to know them and um, with the intention of, of learning from them if they have anything to offer and, um, you know, kind of seeing what we have in common or if there's anything that needs to be healed, you know, that I can facilitate in this lifetime. Absolutely. Um, I would say for me, Sometimes it's a conscious effort, and other times there are signs that they are there. <laughs> um, about 10 years ago, uh, oh gosh, actually maybe it was more like 14 years ago, um, I, th I had a little bit of a fender bender. I was down in Glendale, California, and the way that the parkings uh, the street parking is out there. It's not that you would parallel park. You would just like park nose in first and you know, your car would be sticking out a little bit. And I had passed this biker and I put my blinker on and I go for it to park and he literally crashes into my car and then <gasps> does this like shimmy and then falls over and just lies in the in the in where I was parking or right next to my car and I'm freaking out and thankfully thankfully the guy behind me stopped there were two ladies walking on the sidewalk and when the cops got there they separated everyone and we all had the same story like I had stopped I had looked I had put my blinker on and then the guide made this like dramatic scene and the cops even followed him to the hospital. Um, and when I got the police report back, they were like, yeah, he had no injuries, but somehow he was feigning that he was unconscious or whatever the case may be. But the one thing that I will say about that whole thing is I could definitely feel my grandfather with me. And the way that I was able to validate that was I had called the insurance company while we were still on site and they put me on hold and his favorite song came on. And I could smell him as well. I could smell the tobacco. And then I could, I could, I was listening to the song. I was like, this song never plays. And now every time that song comes up, it's sort of a sign that he's with me. And it's usually when th scary things like this happen in my life that that song will come out of nowhere. Um, so that's one way that I connect with them. Um, I also remember uh, for some reason, Anytime a family member dies or somebody that I'm really connected to passes away, I am thinking of them. I could smell them. 
in a previous episode, I had mentioned when the, the day that my grandfather had died. Um, and the other day I was, I was thinking about this episode and ancestors and I, something came to mind <laughs> and I remember while, like, uh, driving down uh, I-25 in Colorado and thinking about my Mithialis, Mari, and she had come out to visit us one year and it was one of the most memorable visits. We had really connected and um, the moment that she had passed away, I had felt her presence on, well, I was on the freeway and later that night, my grandma told me that she had passed away earlier that day and I was like oh that's why I've been thinking about her the same thing happened when Celia Cruz passed away <laughs> I have a deep connection to Celia oh, yeah. Cruz she passed away in, on July 24th and uh, I was just really feeling her music and I was really thinking about the times when I enjoyed her music and I enjoyed she's definitely one of my ancestors I feel like because she pops up a lot in my life um but I also communicate with them and, um, you know, show my honor and support with them by visiting their gravesite and cleaning it and leaving flowers. Or um, the one that I do often is I light candles for them. I have a little altar for uh, for certain ancestors um, in my lineage and I leave water out for them and I leave flowers and their favorite cookies and gemstones and general offerings. That story about the, about the biker, that was, that was crazy. Oh my gosh. You know, I'll never forget I, it. It was, yeah. It was one of those things like, it's cool. oh, he is with me. And it was so freaking scary. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of our, I feel like a lot of our ancestors, they really want to help us and they want to protect us, you know? Absolutely. Um, and for me personally, thinking about creating an altar, you know, I think at first I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? But it's just, you know, if you, thinking about, you know, different things, different celebrations that have happened in different countries, it's, it's actually very common, you know, um, like if we think about All, so All Souls Day in ancient Europe, um, you know, pagan celebrations of the dead took place in the fall and consisted of bonfires, dancing and feasting. And a lot of these customs survived after the rise of um, the Catholic Church, who, you know, unofficially adopted them into their celebrations of two Catholic holidays, All Saints Day and All Souls Day, which are celebrated on the first two days of November. Um, so, you know, learning about that and, you know, when I was a kid going to um, Catholic Mass and and lighting a candle for, you know, a soul that has passed away. It's, to me, it, it really resonated. And so I have a, I have a candle here on my, on my little um, altar. So it, it feels good to connect with them in that way. Yeah, I, I think that this is something that is absolutely universal um, in honoring the dead and uh, really having ritual and practices around that. I remember in one of the moon circles where I had introduced altars, I was very nervous about it because I was like, I don't know if people are going to think I'm weird because I definitely thought my dad was weird when he did it. Um, but I did it anyways. And 
one of the things that I really learned when putting that together was how celebrated um, our ancestors or ancestors in general are all over the world. I remember looking into Japan and how the Japanese Buddhist belief is that the land of the afterlife is due west. And during the equinoxes, the sun sets directly west. And the equinoxes are also symbol of the transition of life. They actually call it Ohigan. And it is therefore a time to visit the graves of one's ancestors. People spruce up the grave sites and leave flowers for the dead. It is also a time of meditation and to visit living relatives. And then you have uh, China that, you know, they have the Mid-Autumn Festival, which I am very familiar with because I have a team in China and they are always talking about their fabulous moon cakes <laughs> during that time. Um, and, you know, they have all these beautiful floats of dragons and they have feasts. Um, someone once described it to me like, um, yeah, this festival is a lot like your Thanksgiving to us. And, mm. you know, they eat mooncake that are both uh, savory or sweet. And I'm like, yes, please to both. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I learned a little bit about Euro uh, Europe. Um, in Europe, um, they do Michael Mass um, or the Feast of Michael and All Angels. And it's celebrated on the 29th of September every year. Um, it used to be said that harvest had to be completed by Michael Mass, almost like marking um, the end of the productive season and beginning of the new cycle of farming. And so this feast, um, it's... Uh, it's right around the autumn equinox as well. And uh, there's various versions um, previous to pagan celebrations. And in England, it was a time of transition. Um, you know, uh, servants were paid their wages after the harvest and workers scrambled to find new employment contracts. And so it was like a transitional period as well, uh, as, well as um, honoring uh, the dead or the ancestors and then like Anna had mentioned in paganism you know there's something called neo-druids um, and other pagans um, that often gather at Stone Edge um, and uh, they watch the sunrise and uh, this happens every year both in spring and fall and it's all about uh, bringing in uh, the new season as well as uh, Answer, ancestor veneration, which I think is really cool. Um, there is this one that we are all familiar with in uh, America because we're so uh, close to Central and, and South America, and that is Dia de los Muertos. And uh, that is on November 1st every year. And it's all around celebrating and uh, venerating your, your ancestors. And I know that in the Mayan tradition, um, they uh, oftentimes go to, uh, they visit the Maya city of the Chichen Itza, um, and on both the veneral and um, uh, autumn equinox, crowds gather to watch as a snake-like shadow slides down the god's uh, namesake pyramid. And it's, it's a tradition that happens. And at the same time, um, it's uh, about uh, not just honoring your ancestors, but also celebrating the dawn of the next chapter. 
when we look at all these different traditions and all these different countries and we look at the history, you know, what to me sticks out is, you know, the respect that we have for death and our ancestors and how we we celebrate, you know, death and life together as like a cycle. And it just, it's very beautiful. And I just, it just makes me wish we had more of it, you know, in, in the United States, because there's just this, we just don't talk about death. We don't talk about our ancestors. We don't talk about where we came from. And so um, connecting to our ancestors, just, it feels really good to me at least. And that's what I could say about that. Yeah, there's a little bit of a history, and I don't remember it exactly, but um, back in the day before we had funerals and uh, what do you call the morticians, um, before it became a money-making <laughs> industry, it there was a lot more veneration of the ancestors, a lot more um, uh, rituals that were done, and I think it was World War One where uh, they found a way to be able to bring back the remains of soldiers um, to be able to preserve it in a way. And from there, it grew into a capitalist industry. And um, it's just a lot of the old uh, rituals that were done kind of got lost through there because it's now all about you know, the $10,000 casket and the Mm $5,000 funeral and whatnot. Um, So there is some history behind why we don't do it as a country. Um, And a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're capitalists. Yeah, that makes sense. Political, but... (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I don't. Yeah, I don't think I mean, it's just the facts of the facts, right? I mean, (laughs) um, but yeah, and um, one of the side note here is um, I've learned about what is a a death doula and, you know, somebody who can help facilitate that process and help kind of do like a home funeral and stuff. So maybe that could be something we could potentially have a guest speaker on this podcast to talk about what that would what that would mean. Yes. So one question is, who can do this ancestor work? You know, can anyone do this? Really, yeah, everyone has ancestors, so everyone can absolutely do this. It's the way you honor your ancestors. Um, It's really up to you. There is no wrong or right way. Um, The simple answer, yes, everyone can do it. Um, The more difficult answer is those who are willing to deal with both the pain and joy in your lineages and histories, um, you know, are you, are you ready for that? Are you ready for that shadow work? Are you ready to start healing your traumas and your ancestors' traumas? Because <laughs> a lot of us wake up and are like, wait a second, I, I no, don't have to just heal my traumas, but I have to heal my mama's traumas and my grandma's traumas and... <laughs> my daddy's traumas (laughs) so um it's all about that readiness and what you're willing to do and and open to being exposed to absolutely absolutely yeah i mean if you feel called to it i personally feel called to it so here i am you know trying to explore it you know we don't have to put ourselves into 
a box based on external factors of, you know, what other, whatever DNA we came from, you know, if we, if we want to explore it, we should, you know, um, so. Yeah. And it can be really hard because, you know, we're all human beings. No one is perfect. And so there might be some toxicity that we uncover along the way. I know I have, you know, we don't know what really is in our family background or in our ancestors background. And some may know very little of their familial or blood ancestry in the first place. So the more you dig, um, you know, you cannot unsee what you have seen. So it's about readiness. It's about the readiness to do shadow work, the readiness to know that things aren't always on the up and up or um, aren't always perfect. You know, the world is going through some hard times right now and it's not the first time. Absolutely. So what are some ways, if you are interested in this, to take the step to heal some of those generational beliefs, those generational traumas? I think that the first step is really the desire to heal and break those beliefs um, and those generational traumas. The other thing that can come up is doing the inner work and understanding that the things that have been taught to us um, is not necessarily 100% true or it's not necessarily um, a fact of life, right? And that can be very disorienting because some of these beliefs um, create our identity. And, mm-hmm. and so we could very much go through identity crisis. We could very much ha- be struggling to um, take on a new perspective. So it's a conscious choice that is made when deciding to do ancestor work. Um, but I will say doing ancestor work is very freeing, at least from my perspective and my opinion and Trust me, um, I've uncovered a lot of things that I cannot unsee. Um, But at the end of the day, it is so healing and so rewarding. Um, And then also there are rituals and things that can be done as well. Um, But you really want to be able to treat the root cause, um, which in my opinion, it's limiting beliefs, the things that have been passed down from generation to generation. The easiest one, the one that I always go to is money doesn't grow on trees, right? I feel like that is something that has been said forever in families. And a lot of it is because, you know, we had to scrim and save and make sure that we had enough to eat for the day and whatever the case may be, but here's the thing, you guys, money does grow on trees, especially if you're in America. (laughs) We print it every (laughs) day. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. Yeah. I, for me, when I started looking into my ancestors, I, you know, um, one of the cool things that came up was that I realized that I have a lot of entrepreneurs in the female, even the female line. So that was really cool. Um, so as you uncover some trauma, you may uncover some gifts as well. Um, but like you said, I think it's important to remember that as you uncover these things, that the history books 
were written by the heroes, right? So we don't ever talk about the other side of the story. There's always more to talk about. You know, I just feel like as the news likes to exaggerate some things in today's world, um, because, you know, that's what sells. History was passed down in a way to keep certain people in power back then. And that's that's just the reality of what it was. Um, that's how war started. That's how kings stayed in power. So we may never really know if we, who we thought were the heroes were not really the heroes, right? And so things just weren't that clear cut. So diving into diving into this, you know, can, can be a lot, you know, um, understanding those limiting beliefs. Um, for me, one thing I haven't done yet, but I would like to do as I uncover is do, you know, a healing meditation ritual um, on behalf of my lineage and, you know, say sorry for what my people did to other people, you know, um, because there's so much pain that was caused and ask forgiveness, you know, and start there, you know, maybe that's the place to start, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but thinking about it just can feel like, holy crap, <laughs> what the hell did we do, you know, so, but this is how we stop, we stop repeating the past, so we learn what we, you know, we learn something from it, and we move forward. I love that, that's really beautiful, thank you for sharing that, Anna. Um, I, I think it's funny um, that you come from a lineage of women entrepreneurs because I come from a lineage of entrepreneurs as well and I recently in the last two years learned that my great grandma was an entrepreneur and her mother was an entrepreneur and they never married <laughs> <laughs> badass women what can we I say I loved it I was like wait what <laughs> I didn't know that um, at least that's what somebody in my family said. So, um, I know that for a fact that she was an entrepreneur, um, but the married, the married thing, um, was news to me, something that I still need to verify. Um, which brings me to what if you don't even know who your ancestor were? I know you mentioned one modality that you used, um, but can you give any other recommendations? Yeah, I think... Even if we use, you know, if we've used 23andMe or not, or, you know, one of those those DNA um, testers, I think we may never be 100% sure of who they were, what kind of life they led. Um, there's so much we will never totally be sure of, even if we have all the records. So I just, my advice is if you don't know your ancestors, you know, if you were adopted or you have no record, just trust your intuition and try to connect with them and ask them, um, just ask your ancestors, you know, try to make that connection without making assumptions um, because you're made up of a lot of different parts and perhaps the ancestral line that comes through might be a small part of your DNA, right? Um, that's here to help you and support you. Um, so just kind of going with it without making assumptions. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to keep in mind that this is not the only form of ancestral work. Many people tend to think of familiar, familial or um, blood ancestry when they think of these practices, which is certainly very, very powerful, um, particularly for those people dealing with ancestry that has been hidden or erased. However, there is also the communal and the cultural ancestry. There are ancestors to social justice movements. I mean, I once saw somebody uh, make uh, Ruth Bader, 
<laughs> their ancestor uh, that they wanted to venerate, right? They weren't even related. Um, but ancestors to local communities and many more powerful souls uh, that you can call upon for support and guidance. Um, I think that in the end, no one knows all of their ancestors, familial or otherwise, but recognize that you always have a choice of who to let into your practice. One thing that I do like to say when I am doing ancestral veneration is I call all my ancestors that are here for my highest good because even though they're part of my lineage, not all of my ancestors are going to be rooting for me. <laughs> not even right. my living family. <laughs> don't They don't all root for me. So same thing goes for ancestors, I feel like. Um, so I would say that it goes, don't put yourself in a box. Don't make it like, oh, it's just my lineage. It can be cultural. It can be... Um, you know, like I said before, ancestors from different lifetimes, ancestors from different planets. I don't know what you're into, but it's your practice <laughs> and it's your, it, it is your, um, own personal experience with your ancestor veneration and ancestor work. So that brings me to one of our last questions is, <clears throat> you know, what if, your ancestors weren't that great. What if you don't connect with them? Or what if you feel like you don't connect with them? <laughs> yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is, well, we never speak ill of the dead, right? Um, but regardless of how we choose to talk about our ancestors, the fact of the matter is that they were, they were as flawed as anyone on earth today is. Um, and in many cases, the histories and horrors of conquest in Central South America Africa, China, you know, um, it's, it, it can be disheartening. And, um, for me, I mentioned all of those, <laughs> uh, particular ones because those are part of my lineage. Uh, my family is, uh, you know, South American, African, Chinese, Greek, Panamanian, and the lives um, of my ancestor live on in me. And, uh, I may not want to call on every one of them. Like I mentioned before, I only call on the ones that are here for my highest good. So this is similar to, um, you know, practicing boundaries with family members that have uh, traumatized you. I think mm -hmm. it is a mistake when people think that just because they, someone gave birth to you or you're someone's seed or, you know, they are blood family that we should continue to be in their presence. We should continue to be in their aura and have them continue continuously re-traumatize us. That to me is not, uh, to me, there's always a choice. Um, and there are many choices that we can make and we can choose to turn our focus away from our ancestors we know were destructive um, in some way or another um, or we can choose to forgive them or not or we can choose to cautiously work with them um, in any case we all have choices and it may not be 
you know, just for guidance or support that we're doing this work. We might be doing this work to reconcile historical traumas. Um, we might be doing this work to heal. We might be doing this work, you know, to figure out, you know, who we really are. Uh, and so I think that it's important to be conscious about the choices that we make and how we move forward with them. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, I also feel like, you know, coming into this lifetime, we had a choice in, in what our lineage would be and there was probably a reason why we chose it. We may or may not be clear on that. Um, and if we don't feel like our ancestors were great, there's also, um, you know, remind yourself you're not them and you didn't make those choices. So, um, you know, there's no reason to, to, to shame yourself for what, who you were born as, you know, and just focus on how you can do, do better. Right. Um, and um, I think you can also realize that not every single person in your lineage was probably horrible. You could probably find at least one particular ancestor that, you know, was interested in the same things that you were or was that rebel or, you know, <laughs> um, that healer and um, see if you can connect to that certain person, right? Yeah, or if you're not really in tune with your current lineage, uh, you could always look for those that you are in tune with in your community or in your culture. Um, you know, for me, I am very much in tune with the Buddha and with uh, the spirit of cacao. Um, I honor her every single day um, during my cacao ceremonies. And, uh, you know, I also connect with my grandfather and my my great grandmother but um beyond that uh you can also connect with uh symbols uh in from your culture uh and that brings us to this week's assignment so like anna mentioned you can start with looking at your ancestry take a look at where your ancestors came from you heard my melting pot <laughs> story I honestly can identify with anybody because there's so much uh so many different cultures in my blood um so definitely take a look at pictures if you don't have any pictures connect with pieces that has has been handed down to you do some research do some research on your culture um if you want more info on ancestor connection um, there is a book called Honoring Your Ancestors, A Guide to Ancestral Veneration by Mallory Vaudois. Um, it is a great place to start. It's a wonderful book um, to just uh, get that ball rolling. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for connecting with us today. Please follow us at Beyond Meditation Podcast on Instagram and let us know um, how you've connected with your ancestors. Thanks everybody.